0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and with me today in the studio office are the two most important people in my professional career. They are my business partners, David Holbrook and Mike Smalley. Gentlemen, welcome to the Loan Officer Podcast. Thanks for having me back. Happy to be here. Yes. Uh, For anyone tuning in, this is Mike Smalley's third time being featured on the show, for David, this is his first time.
1: Yep, First and time listener. First time call in, long time listener.
0: There you go. First time call in, long time listener. It <laughs> might not be completely true. But. No, although, true story. His son was uh, stopping by the office today. His son and his girlfriend, they're both in college. And uh, McGuire's like, hey, uh, you guys are podcasting? That's cool. Hey, Dio, where do I find the podcast? And David's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Google. Uh, yes, no. That's, you, that's ready? what I do. Ready? Well, if you're tuning in, you've either tuned in because you're on YouTube and you're watching us at the Loan Officer Podcast, you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts at the Loan Officer Podcast. Basically, anywhere where you can find a podcast, you can find the Loan Officer Podcast and you can follow our social, which is TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at the Loan Officer Podcast. I can be found on LinkedIn as Dustin Owen. He's David Holbrook on LinkedIn and he's Mike Smalley on LinkedIn. Although Smalley, you're not that active on LinkedIn, are you?
2: No, I think I probably have about a 1,000 follow requests in the queue. So yeah. I'll have to retrieve my password one of these days and uh, accept all the follow requests.
0: msmalley at com. That's
2: how you can find me. That
0: is a very easy way to find Mike Smalley. But, no, I, in, in full sincerity, thank you guys both for agreeing to spend the next half hour or so uh, doing this show because I want to tell our story. And I didn't think it would be fair for me to tell our story because it's not my story. It's our story. But for those tuning in, the story is... How three guys, all loan originators, came together to create a mortgage operation that, in its first full year, did 40 million in production. That's volume. Crushed it. Crushed it. That's <laughs> that's three three loan officers, one processor, one assistant, and two part-time LOs.
2: Now, 40 million was like April through December, though, so yeah. we weren't that bad.
0: Um, collectively, it felt, it felt pretty bad. Collectively doing 40 million. <laughs> To where over the course of really within seven years we grew it from 40 million a year to 40 million a month, and then over the past six years we've taken it from 40 million a month to 70 million a month. So this show is how did we go from 40 million a year to 70 million dollars a month? But before we kick in, let's reintroduce Mike and let's introduce David to the audience. So I don't know which one wants to go first. Who are you? Where'd you come from? How'd you get here?
1: I'll go uh, since I'm the oldest, and I'll try not to uh, step on the, the storyline in the process because um, I think who I am uh, is part of this, this whole story. But I uh, grew up in Orlando, uh, went to high school here in Orlando, went to Colonial High School. It's great to be a Grenadier. Uh, played baseball in high school, went to Stanford to play baseball, that is Stanford
0: in California. That is Stanford University. The Stanford, not,
1: not Samford, not Stetson, uh, or any other of the uh, the, the fakes, the wannabes. Yeah, we, okay. we we are the tree, fear the tree. Went out there to play baseball. Came home after getting done playing baseball. Got into uh, sales briefly before I got into teaching and coaching. Was a teacher and coach at Bishop Moore High School uh, as a teacher for 9, 10 years. Got into the mortgage business. Via uh, a friend or an acquaintance, left Bishop Moore teaching, continued to coach, but left teaching to get into the mortgage business. Uh, Ended up starting at a place called Home Bank, which Dustin's very familiar with. Uh, Started with Dustin at Home Bank. Uh, That was my entry into the mortgage business. And then, as we'll get into, ended up with these two guys uh, in the Waterstone mortgage industry.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, um, you and I met. Through Home Bank, because you were hired as a rookie loan officer from Orlando, Florida. I was hired as a rookie loan officer from West Palm Beach, Florida, but we both were flown to Atlanta where we went through our very own quote unquote Zenix style training. Correct. And it was at that point you and I forged our friendship. Our friendship led me to work with you in Orlando for Home Bank, which is now a defunct mortgage company. But at the time, Correct. it was a bit of a who's who mortgage company in the Southeast. And Mike Smalley, how did you get looped into this uh, crazy duo to make it a trio?
2: Yeah, so you guys met uh, through the mortgage business and training. David and I met a little bit before that. So David <laughs> mentioned that uh, that he taught and coached and was a guidance counselor at Bishop Moore High School, where I happen to be a student. So um, David, I was a very
1: young teacher. Yeah, <laughs> can we make note of that?
2: <laughs> yeah. So I was 16. You were probably you know 24, yep. maybe 25 um so david was my baseball coach my junior and senior year of high school um, i went on to play in college at florida state and florida long story but a good story uh minor leagues for a couple years and uh, kind of fell into the mortgage business i i finished my degree after playing baseball for two years not long after september 11th terrible economy especially for a college kid um, without any type of internships and really a great you know college resume other than playing baseball. Yeah so, you had a
0: very very good ERA didn't you? I mean did that help yeah, you? I, uh, I,
2: I threw hard with my left arm <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't have uh, an internship at you know Dolay and Touche. Figuring
1: out his statistics yeah. every day was was part yeah, of that was my getting myth. into the mortgage yes. <laughs> business.
2: Um, so I fell into the mortgage business like a lot of people do in 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 late 2002 and I remember um David and I for for a couple of years kept in touch before he started, and then in '04 when you guys started, I believe, he and I would go to lunch probably once a month, and I would tell him because I was a broker at the time, "Hey, you need to come be a broker. It's more flexible. We can make more money per transaction." He would always tell me about this great company that you guys worked for, Home bank that was inside real estate offices and just had more clout than a broker. And uh, yeah, it so, had a really
0: good sales culture. Yeah, right? it had
2: a great reputation. I mean, and a lot of, a lot of what we try to build at Waterstone. Because um, as a competitor of you guys back in 2004, 5, 6, 7-ish, um, I always looked up to Home Bank as a company that did a really good job, had a great reputation, had professional loan officers. We've tried to, I think, recreate that here at Waterstone mm-hmm. for the past 13 years. But so for a couple of years, David and I would, would catch up every so often, and I would tell him, be a broker. He'd tell me, be a lender. And uh, and we both were happy where we were at um, until the market crashed, and which is kind of what brought us all together, um, at the end of two thousand seven, beginning of two thousand eight.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's saw uh, two things I picked up on there, Mike. Was you're talking so, two thousand and one, right? You said September, right? September eleventh, yep. right, is when you were uh, retiring from baseball. Yep. You're starting finishing, your career. Yeah, finishing college. Finishing college, yep. not necessarily the best economy, no. but a great time for you to start your career as a mortgage right. loan originator. And we came together right after a massive crash, mm-hmm. right? I mean, two thousand six and two thousand seven, at all shit hits the fan in 2007. We get together in 2008 and we essentially grew our practice, our firm in the years of 2009, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Years really, at really which really tough years. Really tough yeah. years. Years at which point, you know, many people didn't want to be a part of the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. They were even fleeing the mortgage industry, especially the mortgage industry in Florida.
2: Well, I think any business is cyclical and it goes through good times and bad times whatever that business is. And I feel like a lot of people when the, when things get difficult, um, you know, they get out and they give up and they try something else. And I think what what you know has led us to have a, a you know really good run here in the last 13 years is when we started it was tough, and we didn't really have any other options. I mean, I don't think any of the three of us hadn't had employers um, beating down our door to come hire negative, us to work yes. somewhere else and pay <laughs> Could us go back salary. to teaching. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that you know, so we only the only option we really had was just to work hard and grind it out and make it through those early years, which I'm glad we started. I think we're fortunate that we started during those times. Uh, because if we started when it was easy and then it got hard, you know who knows what would have happened. Yeah, no, well, and that's I, that.
1: Gonna. That's when opportunity is always going to be in play. Is when when people are jumping out when it's not the best mm-hmm. time. You know, I think you're going to see a lot of industries right now coming off of the pandemic. The opportunity, restaurant business. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people had to jump out of the restaurant business. If you weren't in it before, next year maybe there's big opportunity. Those kind of kind of opportunities present themselves through
0: crashes. Yeah. So the year is 2008. So we get together. um, And and Waterstone Mortgage, I have always looked at as our fourth partner. Mm -hmm. we, We choose to work with Waterstone. Obviously, Waterstone is doing something good because every year, 13 years in a row, we choose them as our fourth partner, and we were able to grow with them and they grew with us. But if you go back 13 years ago to we, we started meeting, I believe, like it was January or February. We would meet every single Monday for yep. an hour. Yep. And then finally, by April, you jumped first. Mm-hmm. All right, You shut down your brokerage shop. You joined Waterstone. David and I at the time were at somehow, some way. <laughs> Bear <laughs> with us. Bear with us. Home Bank went under. American Home Mortgage went under. Countrywide was like the, the highest bidder. Yeah. I mean, and, and they were biggest, in our market. pockets. They were in our market. They we, we are familiar with them enough. We ended up working there and we were in training there. And as, as, at that time, they're like, hey, by the way, we're no longer going to be Countrywide. We're going to be Bank of America. That forced. David and I to say, okay, we can't be here any longer. It forced us to start meeting with you every single Monday. But you joined Waterstone in April. David and I said, hey, Mike, jump first. And as long as it's not too cold and you don't drown, we'll be glad to join you. We came over in August.
1: I'm not sure we actually told him that. I what? think you and I knew that, but I don't Look, think, early, I don't think we ever said, hey, Mike, hey, we're knew, not coming. Hey, I, knew I think you thought we were there.
2: Yeah, I knew the game plan was you guys were coming, but it was no guarantee <laughs> until like October or September. When
0: no, we was. came over at the end of August. August yeah. It was the end of August. There was, you know, it's funny. Early on, there are certain things that we just didn't disclose at all, um, right? There was a reason David and I would go to lunch every day, and we'd ask Mike, hey, Mike, you want to go to lunch with us? Nah, you know, I'm going to pass today. I think, I, I, I think I'm think i going to pass, so, um, you know, he pr- he probably shouldn't have. He might have
1: heard he might have heard some more facts if he did <laughs> come to some of those lunches. But no, what, what was
2: unique though is that you know you guys were a banker, uh, really kind of retail retail. I was a broker, and I think what led us to Waterstone. And you know when we talked in those Monday morning meetings for really three four months before we said hey let's do this, it, you know I think we all realized we have to find something that's the best of both worlds. We need to have the flexibility, and the sales culture, and the ability to do a lot of different products that brokers had. But with like the quality individuals and the quality corporation that that lenders had and, and so Watterson was kind of that perfect match for us that was the best of both worlds. Yeah.
1: Well and that was the that that was my whole just my thought process at the time was this is what I know. I, you know, not only knew what I had experienced and been taught by Home Bank, but I knew when we went to countrywide and we had experienced countrywide briefly that there were things that we did really well at home bank much better than we're getting done at countrywide and mike knew that there were things that he, that were getting done really well on his end and trying to match all those things up and and hit as many of those spots as we could how could we make that happen and waterstone just really the bucket was was we fell right into that bucket where i think they met probably almost every criteria that we were looking for and hoping for.
0: Yeah. And it's the partnership, like looking back on it, I know this was none of our, our thought processes 13 years ago, but looking back on it, Waterstone and partnering with Waterstone gave us the ability to scale at the mm-hmm. level that we did. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about it, it was the three of us, we had Melanie and we had Brittany, right? That was, that was it with two part-time LOs, Joel and Tom. And to look at it now, we have a hundred associates and we have eight branches and we have six managers and 48 loan officers mm-hmm. It was that partnership with a much larger bank-owned institution that allowed us to, to do it. But when you go back and, and you look at everything we've been able to accomplish, and then you look at all the mistakes that were made. All a, lot the, of, a lot of those. Lot yeah, of those. And, and then all the fun yeah, adventures you, you that guys were made had. a ton of mistakes. Well, that's, um, and, and, and we didn't get a chance to do this, and I'll, I'll just quickly do it for us. For those tuning in, we all three at one point were all originators. That was our sole goal our sole goal was we wanted to originate and we wanted to share in in certain costs the cost of a server the cost of rent the cost of an assistant the cost of a processor um, and we wanted the model to-
2: was like a law firm you know? yes. it was the mike david and dustin law firm and we basically had our own book of business and we split the cost down the way three ways it was you know really kind of our initial model right we we were all individual producers Let's find the best company that we can do our own loans the most efficiently and effectively and share cost. And hopefully we can keep things afloat during the really difficult market.
0: Yeah, and and we were there for each other, right? As professionals, David could bounce an idea off of me. I could bounce an idea off of David, vice versa, like include Mike. Mike and I could sit down and talk about marketing. So instead of just Mike working on his marketing plan and me working on my marketing plan and David wanting to do his, collectively, we could combine our resources, collaborate, and then obviously from their scale. And I think pretty quickly we realized, well, if we're doing this for ourselves, we can probably do it for others too, right? If our assistant is doing X, Y, and Z database management for us, why couldn't he or she do it for three other loan officers or five other loan officers? And eventually, well, how about another branch? How about a third branch? And then we found ourselves nowhere close to what we originally set out to do but I don't know about you guys i wouldn't trade what we have for anything else
2: well and our, our initial plan wasn't to grow and scale i don't think we really ever thought about that i think back then it was all survival and you know it happened that tom who you guys worked with said hey can i come work there it seems like a good spot to do loans and so we had a little bit of that just through sphere and then my friend sue patella who runs her office in the in the florida panhandle called up and said, hey, my company's shutting us down in Florida. Can we come work with you guys and become a branch? And I remember telling her, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Let me ask our corporate <laughs> office. I remember, yes. us, I remember us three talking yep. about it and calling um, corporate and saying, hey, we have a uh, group that wants to join us in in the panhandle. Can they become a satellite? Can they work with us? And I remember we, uh, David and I going up there, and it was like you know, freezing cold in February of 2010, it would have been. Um, and that was our first satellite, and so a lot of the stuff we've done over the years really wasn't by design. It just opportunities arose, and we figured out how to make it work. And then the last couple of years, it's you know been a little bit more strategic of how we've grown. Okay. But early on, it was really just you know your sphere and your network, and people asked, "Hey, that looks like a good company to work. Can we join you guys?"
1: Right. The opportunity, I think, to, and, and we didn't know this at the time, but I think how we had structured it and how it was set up, at you know that was. A good way to do it and people saw that and when their opportunities were getting shut down they said hey these guys seem Mm -hmm. like they've got something they're going the right way yeah
0: we were a flight to safety like we didn't even know it but we had created something for ourselves we led by example we were a flight to safety Mike do you remember or David even do you remember what corporates number what we call corporate the home office Waterstones corporate home office out of Pewaukee Wisconsin their number one apprehension for us opening a satellite was Because because looking back on it, such a valuable lesson for any new leader, they were apprehensive that we were going to onboard someone and not support them. And and in a roundabout way, they basically taught us if you're going to onboard this satellite branch, you sure as hell better be ready to bring them value.
2: Or, or an employee or any Yeah, right? correct. I mean, anyone who works on your team has to be given value.
0: Yeah. Um, and then you fast forward now. So our roles now look a, little bit, a lot different than what they did 13 years ago. Uh, David, you gave up originating. You kind of fell on the sword for, for Mike yeah, and I, g- for the partnerships.
1: not really the fairest way to say yeah. that. But, yes, I, st- I stopped originating. Yeah. told, Yes. yes yeah, David, told. <laughs> David,
0: truth be told, we sat down, we looked at the volume. Mike's a mega producer and i produced more than david at which point we said david your background's in counseling and you produce less than mike and i someone needs to stop producing so we can manage our pipeline manage our processors and manage our our, our fundings
2: and part of that was early on when when we were in that kind of law firm model we each, somewhat to a degree like each took on certain areas like mm-hmm. i knew the it guy so i became like the it guy you know david kind of knew operations because he was a guidance counselor. And kind of knew how to manage people better than you and I did. So he kind of took on ops. And and so some of the you know those early roles were really just by chance. Hey, you, you know the IT guy, so you're the IT guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, my background is in advertising. I remember having a surgery that required me to sit on my couch for two days with a bag of peas. And I think I wrote Waterstone's first marketing library. Mm-hmm. I think I wrote 28 marketing pieces that weekend um while fixed to Super Bowl Sunday whatever the 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 crappy uh yeah, was, TV was, programs that they that they offer like the puppy bowl and the the 100 best commercials Well, um, most,
2: most guys do that surgery on a good sports weekend correct yeah.
0: <laughs> yes but like like back in the day yeah we each had our own roles but David now I mean your role if someone asked me I'm like oh he's our VP of ops fair enough yeah and I think once again when you talk about the
1: scale, I think all of those roles that we initially took on as we got bigger, not all of them scaled up, and, you know, and, and in my case, um, it became more time consuming to man as we got bigger, the more loans we got, the more loan officers, the more branches, you, you get, it gets bigger, the time dedicated to that, it doesn't make sense to spend time on originating you know five loans a month when i've got a hundred at that time maybe you know and nowadays 250 loans a month to get through the pipeline so that's kind of how things change over time is it goes to scalability you know and you know mike doesn't have to do it anymore but he still originates because he is a mega producer so it, it that's the bulk of where his time should be spent, and we have somebody else do IT now.
0: Yeah, isn't that crazy? 13 years ago, if I said to you, hey, David, by the way, I'm going to fast forward a decade, and uh, 10 years from August 28th of 2008, you are going to have two regional processing managers, 20 processors, and a area sales manager that all report directly to you so you can help get 250 loans a month closed. You would have probably thought I'm crazier than you already think I I am.
1: I I would not have even understood what you were saying (laughs) just by definition alone. And, uh, you know, and and without going into too much detail, I think you can probably recall some of the conversations we had in the early years where, I mean, I was, you know, you were always very pro-growth visionary. Where I That's was always a good term, pro-growth, <laughs> visionary. Okay, <laughs> but I would I would always be more of the if I can just do this, if just this can happen, and, it, you know. And, and to be fair, I'm older than you guys, so you know, I was I was a little more invested with some uh, you know family things and business things and being older. But I I was always of the mindset of if I could just get to here, where Dustin, you know, you're always on the opposite side of no, we're going to go here. And the, we're in, going the, to the moon, yeah. The, yeah, the in
0: between in yeah.
1: there, you know,
0: so true story. And by the way, conversations were typically this, like the one thing David, Mike and I do, and again, all this is stuff that I look back on now. I'm like, wow, we should teach that. I don't know if we did it consciously or subconsciously, but we do a really good job of getting outside of the office and we do lunch together at least two to three times a week and probably always have. Sometimes we talk about youth sports. Sometimes we talk about baseball, sometimes we talk about college football, but it's the three of us getting out outside together. So what had happened is we would typically meet in the lobby by the elevators. And I think the conversation would go like this. Damn it, Dio, would you just slow down and let me catch my breath? Mm -hmm. I think that was the conversation I heard from David, uh, especially probably seven years ago when we were going. We went from literally $40 million a year to $40 million a month in about six or seven years. And during that time, there was a lot of rapid growth. I think we've done a really good job over the past six years of, hey, how do we focus on getting better, getting deeper, not necessarily wider? And, and by getting deeper, we took it from $40 million a month to $70 million a month. Uh, but you know, I, I want to, if we have time today, lean into, David, your experiences, because it's not very often you have a, a ex-top-producing loan officer who understands how to properly manage a pipeline. Like, like, I'm going to ask you to give some, some advice to LOs, especially younger LOs tuning in. Like, what are some things that you've learned over this past 13-year journey that we've been on as a ex-top-producing loan officer, now VP of Ops, that someone tuning in that maybe has only been in the industry a year, two years, or maybe they've been in for seven years, but they're, they're struggling, that um, you could lean in a little bit, whisper in the ear and say, hey, you should do this better. And maybe yeah, I'm just going go there right now. I'm just going to like, <laughs> like I'm not even going to try to push to the to the back. What what are some things based on the past 13 years that you've learned that you wish you knew or you wish you taught to others earlier on? Uh,
1: the 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 biggest thing that stands out always stands out, and I, I'm not sure of the uh, the saying, but the, uh, the ounce of prevention is better than the pound of cure. Better than a pound of the cure, and. and Putting that to a loan officer is, hey, guys, you're going to hear a lot over your time in this business about how to become a really, successful process, or a really successful loan officer and how to do more and more volume and all those things. And if you can just take care of business up front in a very, very thorough way, and I think that's the biggest advice I can get, give somebody is know what you're doing up front. You know, get the full story up front, get all the docs up front, get every bit of information you can get up front, and that will make your life so much easier, more efficient, believe it or not. I think I think there's a lot of emphasis placed on getting out of loans by mega producers and coaches, mega coaches, um, about getting out of the loan, and, and that certainly applies, but I think there's not enough emphasis on when to get out of a loan or how to get out of the loan at what point you get out of the loan and to me the the biggest takeaway going from the sales side to the op side and seeing their side of things is that exactly that the better you are up front actually the easier and sooner you can get out and that's that is the number one tip i would tell a loan officer whether they're new or experienced is the the better you are up front the easier it is to get out
0: i love that and if it's not
2: you then it's your team like if you if you want to be a mega producer and we have some lo's that are striving to really grow their business if you don't want to be involved in the you know day-to-day you know getting your hands dirty on files and tax returns and credit reports then build a team and hire an assistant that that can do it for you right and
1: those people it's the same advice to them they have to be able and capable and talented enough to do that
0: yeah we talk a lot about you know the adage is garbage in garbage out you and I were taught that like day one once we got to have training but it's it's I I teach a lot on this show being a great technician you know because what happens is our loan officer are coached by Mike Smalley Mike you closed almost 100 million last year we you end up doing like 400 90, units,
2: 95 million. Yeah,
0: so yeah. so our, our loan officers go to someone like a Mike Smalley who who you and I have witnessed going. Mike went from closing 18 million to 40 million, 40 to 60, 60 to 95 million last year. So they're getting coached by one of the best in the business. But it's more than just the Monday realtor calls. It's more than just the the Tuesday status updates and the Wednesday um, uh, mortgage reviews. It's also, you got to be a great technician. You have to dot I's, cross T's. Um, I have a question for you, Mike. What advice would you give someone who's tuning in right now, and they're like, wow, those guys must have been recruiting warriors to be able to go from their small operation to now this, this conglomerate that's, that's going to push – and you guys know i'm going to push us to do a billion Conglomerate. we're we're, we're going to do a billion dollars in production our region
2: we're close we're, we're close
0: good. yeah we're at 70 plus million dollars a month we are close but we're not there yet but i know this answer but i want to hear your take to the audience how much time effort and energy do we put into recruiting
2: you know, well, so let me back up real quick. So what's really funny is like Dustin's sitting here and David's sitting here. So you guys can see where I sit, which is <laughs> Dustin's like, let's do a billion dollars today. David's like, hold on. Buddy. He's having heart palpitations no the minute I say And I get to sit right in the middle and just kind of, you know. <laughs> play, uh, I get to play uh, The uh, the swing vote, vote. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I'm you're like, the swing vote I'm like the, uh, on, a, on, a, on a nine person Supreme Court, you got like four Republicans, four Democrats I get to be like, I get to decide hey, all the cases You know what's
0: really cool, uh, just a side note Like when people look at us, like you know think, I look at things in threes Right. Whenever I present, like when you present, we like to present in right, threes. We the, tell stories that's a Steve, in threes. That's a Steve Jobs' techniques. It's yeah. a, okay. So let's thank Steve Jobs for that. Yep. Like I think of like two of my favorite rap groups of all time, Beastie Boys and Run DMC. They're groups of three. Yeah. Salt it's and Pepper a, were technically that, a group of three. Well, Spinderella, it was part of the group. She, yeah, so, even, so that's three: Salt, Pepper, and Spinderella. Yeah. But the point three. you're getting at is, but, when we, but, make it, well, yeah, when we yeah.
2: make hard decisions. And I always joke because, you know, I get to be the swing vote. And I'd say more often than not, I, you know, I get to because, I, you know, kind of the unit. the Because Dustin
1: goes out of his way to go directly to you to get what he wants and <laughs> just cuts me out of the, the, the conversation. Look, and then comes in and says, I got my two votes.
0: <laughs> uh, hey, look, look, uh, wholeheartedly. What, what we're getting at, Mike, is we have worked because the three of us have right. always bought into the two-thirds wins. You need yeah. two votes to win, and if you're the third person and you're outside, you got to swallow your pride, take a step back, and relax, Absolutely. and understand it's yeah, going to be okay. you have done
2: a good job of whoever is the vote that loses doesn't get pissed off. Yeah, and what? says, "Hey, I'll trust. I'll you trust the other trust. two. Yes, trust." And uh, you know, and I think it goes back to when I was a broker and it, I was on my own and it was just me. Like I made no money for three or four years because I made decisions that maybe if I had another voice that was like, "Hey." I'm not sure if you need to spend that much money on that marketing program.
0: Hence, the inability to join David and I for lunch in those early years, <laughs> right? Those two or three years of not making a whole lot of money. Right. Um, and
2: I think we've all been through that. You know, I mean, I think that's, you know, we've all had those experiences of really, really lean times early in the business that I think that that helped us actually through the difficult years because the startup years when we had to keep our costs down because individually we had been through the crash and we had started as LOs, 100% commission. And so, you know, I think we did a good job on the front end of not getting ourselves over the top in expenses, and we kind of grew into expenses. Right Was
0: down. it Tom Ward that recommended a partner to you? Do you remember? You know, I, I don't Shout out remember. to Tom, by the way.
2: Um, yeah, I remember Tom Ward taught us a really valuable lesson, which, you know, if you guys remember that, it's called business blood pressure. Mm-hmm. And when you measure your blood pressure, you have the top line and the bottom line, and, and your top line or bottom line can get out of whack. And I remember just really learning those lessons from him. Um,
0: yeah, I always remember the story that Tom Ward supposedly told you, hey, you might want to consider a partner. My buddy Dennis Miller says his favorite P word is partnership. I ran and into Dennis
2: work- leaving El Potro for lunch day in the parking lot. No way. Yeah, I didn't get yeah, to say tell, how to do
0: Tell, he tell Dennis lot. he needs to get busy getting the TLOP online website completed uh, so that we can put some of this content up on his own website. But, no, I mean, the, the partnership that we've been able to create, I think, is, is every reason why we are where we are. And right. to your point, David, yes, in the early years, Mike and I collectively, your term, steamrolled you. My term, Mike and I created messes so you could clean them up. Uh, But I'd say the past three years, it's been more you two more aligned than than me on my end. I think I was still trying to go light the world on fire. And you two had to teach me, hey, growing for growth's sake doesn't make any sense. And just because you get bigger doesn't mean you're going to be better. Or just because you get bigger doesn't mean you're going to make more money. And I had to learn that valuable lesson. And you guys helped teach that to me over the past three years, which was deep breath, take a step back.
1: I I think... The important part of partnerships and having trust in the partnership is it requires a little bit of humility um, and that you have to, when two people tell you they disagree with you, you have to respect those people and you have to respect their, their opinion enough to say, well, if, if it is two against one, I I might not be right here or, you know, it might not be the best way to proceed or it might not be the best answer. Um, And I think that sometimes is, is what we all battle is we all think we're right. And, you know, you kind of go away in a huff sometimes say, well, they can't be right, but you have to, if if it's going to be successful, if you're going to have a successful partnership, you have to have that humility to step back and say, well, they got to be right. And I'm going to, and I I have to join in. I have to, I have to back that. I have to support it. Um, And I would say we've, we've been right a lot when we use that method.
0: Yeah. I mean, 13 years and going, right. So I want to get back on this, Mike, because I was trying to lead you down this path regarding recruiting, Mm -hmm. right? Because the, the title of the episode is from 40 million a year to 70 million a month. So one would assume that we must have been masters at recruiting, yeah. or we dropped hundreds of thousands of dollars one on recruiting. Would,
2: one would assume wrong.
0: Yes, <laughs> um, talk about that a little bit for us.
2: And you know, I think when we first started, and really anyone who's opening up a branch, I think the most successful branches early on um, are based on production production managers. You know, producing managers. Like all of our satellites are led by a really, really strong producing manager, um, and I think there's a number of reasons obviously why, obviously they're bringing revenue in, but you know, that person sets the sales culture. So when we started, the three of us were the biggest producers, we we're really the only producers, but even for the first couple of years, we were probably the biggest. Um, and everything we did as far as how we set up our operations and team and structure and file flow was all based on how can we make this the best spot for a loan officer to get their loans done And make the most amount of money possible and obviously make it a great place to work as well like not you know making it a terrible spot for a processor work but we wanted lo's to be able to really uh, succeed here Um, and that was because that's what we wanted individually so as we got bigger i think we didn't do any recruiting i mean all of our recruiting is is sphere and networks and word of mouth and friend of a friend um we you i think we've maybe hired our first um, loan officer through a recruiting service here about three months ago. Yeah, and that's a producing um, branch manager yeah, in a brand new and market. In a market we've been trying to get in for a yes. couple years. So yeah, yeah and, and, and something unique about us, and I think you guys brought this from Home Bank, is what's really made us successful is finding people outside the mortgage business and teaching them the mortgage business, whether that's marketing, sales, ops, scripting, you know, how to get over call reluctance. I think all three of us have unique experiences there and we've done a really good job over the years of finding people outside the business, teaching them the business the right way. Cause I think a lot of experienced loan officers have some bad habits, um, and maybe aren't the most coachable. Um, and we found that people who come to us with a lot of experience sometimes don't work out as well if they're not willing to adapt and be coached and maybe fit into our system. So, yeah, outside recruiting has been a, a, a fraction of what we've done to grow. It's really just network and,
1: and, uh, And rookies. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's part of what I enjoy and, and like is I came to this business late. You know, I got in late. I'd been a teacher. I'd been a guidance counselor. I'd been in advertising sales and it's a great, great industry. And to bring that to other people that are outside the industry kind of gives me more satisfaction than, you know, somebody who's already succeeded, which is great. And, We'll take them. <laughs> don't get don't don't get me wrong. We'll yeah. take good loan officers all day long, but bring somebody from outside the industry and kind of passing that torch that was given to, to me from from people from outside the industry. And and I'll Joe Wessel. I'll throw, yeah. throw him a, a shout out to Joe. Shout is he, out to Joe. Uh, Raymond, if, James is he's he is? Raymond James Mortgage. That is Raymond James. But you know, Joe Wessel got me into the business. I knew nothing about the business, and um, he he said this is a great industry. It's a great great job and it's a great career. And I think I enjoy bringing on people from out of the industry to, to have that same experience because it's been a great experience.
0: Yeah. One of our um, uh, bonding elements is our love for baseball, right? You guys played at a much higher level than I did, but I still played at a decent level and we've coached our boys in baseball again, to a certain degree, you guys at a much higher level than, than, than I did mine, (laughs) but the movie field of dreams. What is the most famous saying from the movie Field of Dreams? If you build it, he will come. If you build it, they will come, right? And that's what we did. Like Again, I look back on this because anyone tuned in this far and listening this much, please know we weren't smart enough to actually lay out this plan. I remember the day that Mike and I, and there was many nights early on, that Mike and I were up at the office, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night, whether we were working on a file, Mike used to have these crazy whiteboards, try, white whiteboards trying to put together systems and processes. But once or twice a week, we'd be out there late and we would just start talking. We start daydreaming. And not once amongst all of those daydreams about production and income and savings goals, did we ever imagine anything remotely close to what we have. But looking back, we built something for ourselves, based on how we would want people to have treated us or ways that we wished people would have treated us getting into the business. And then it attracted Mm -hmm. top producers. It it attracted top workers who wanted an opportunity to work in the mortgage industry. And it's obviously, you know, paid off in spades as I sit back now and look at what we have and look at how much further we have to go. Right? So that's the, my best way of summarizing is if you build it, they will come. We built it Mm -hmm. and we practice what we preach right? We don't, we don't stand up. You'll never hear one of us stand up in front of a room and talk about how I closed this much. No, we did this, right? We includes our management team. We includes our, our processors. We includes our 48 loan officers. You know, David, Mike, and Dustin didn't close $840 million last year. No, David, Mike, and Dustin are fortunate enough to be a part of a group. And that group under our leadership, utilizing our systems and processes closed $840 million. And it's not going to be David, Mike, and Dustin that, that do a billion right? It's going to be us that, that does a billion. We just happen to jump down in the trenches from day one and say, yeah, you know what? Follow our lead. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to step here. You step right behind me. I'm going to jump in first. And as long as the water's not too cold, you should follow my, my suit. Uh, and, then, and then rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, and then get better at it. How about this? Here's a um, we, 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 As we gear towards wrapping up this show in this episode, what are some things that you learned the hard way? Like if you're talking to your younger self or you're talking to someone who reminds you of you but 10 years ago, what are some things that, that you had to learn the the hard way?
2: Well, I'd say from a loan officer standpoint, I think it's um, where you spend your money. Yeah, I yeah. think a lot of loan officers um, spend money on co-branding and Zillow and magazine ads and you know all kinds of Things that just don't don't produce revenue, you know, and and it might feel like, and, and I think that goes for realtors too, who are listening, you know. I think that's a, it feels like it's a quick way to build your business if you just throw ad money, ad money, ad money. But our business, whether we're loan officers or realtors, it's a people business, it's a relationship business. Unless unless you're Rocket Mortgage, who has you know billions of dollars of a, of, of advertising budget, um, you know, the people that do things like us and like your traditional realtors, it's all relationships. So keep some of that money. And invest in your database and in your sphere, but not really on advertising and internet lead, just because that's really not our niche. And it's really not that profitable for almost any mortgage company in the country, save maybe two or three.
0: Yeah. How about you, David?
1: you got to be flexible. Um, you, you have to uh, meet people where they are and understand that everybody does things differently. Everybody reacts differently and... You have to have that flexibility in you to, to be successful because if it's always your way or the highway, I think that's, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. And early in the process, like, like we've talked about, I, I would have ideas, I would have thoughts, I would have, you know, beliefs of this is how things are going to go, how they have to go. And when they don't go that way, I would get angry. And when I would get angry about it, obviously that didn't make it better. That makes it worse. And then that scenario, whether it's you know dealing with a borrower, whether it's dealing with a processor, whether it's dealing with an underwriter, I think um, that was my biggest lesson is that this this business throws you a lot of curveballs, and you have to be flexible. You have to be ready and willing to adjust and move with the move with the times. I mean, we, you guys know what I'm, you know, dealing with right now with appraisals and and turn times and things like that you know you just got to be ready to, to adjust and pivot and having that ability I think is hard it's it's not something you just wake up and say I'm going to do I'm I'm going to be flexible today I'm going to be I'm not going to be as stubborn as I've been for 30 40 years I think it's something you have to learn and I think it's something you have to practice to follow up on that
2: I remember one of my first mentors in the mortgage business a guy named <coughs> Tim, Tim Brahim, who owned Loan Toolbox used to call it an it's my fault mentality which meant I don't care what the problem is it's my fault like what can I do to fix it versus placing blame on others because so often there's so many people involved in a transaction there's realtors borrowers processors underwriters loan officers closers title company inspectors appraisers there's so many hands that are involved in a transaction that it's easy to say it's their fault, it's their fault. And in reality, it's probably everybody's fault collectively if there's ever a challenge on getting a loan closed. Um, so I think, you know, you need to look to see what what can I have done better before I place blame on others. And and David always talks about this, because I said, you know, he and I, our offices are on that side of the building, so we're next to each other. And all the time, if he's ever frustrated, he comes in the office and it's, uh, it's frustration because someone wants to complain about the problem versus worrying about the solution and i remember he always says this is the solution it's going to take us 15 minutes but someone wants to spend three hours litigating what happened and why well that there's plenty of time for that after the fact let's figure out how to get it fixed in 15 minutes and if we need to meet in a couple days to debrief and figure out how can we prevent that from happening again let's do that but i think in our business so many people focus on the blame and the why behind things and, and our business is full of challenges like probably all businesses yep uh but focus on the on what's the result that's going to get the deal done not why did it happen and yes circle back to that at a later date but yeah well, I,
1: I have visions in my head and dustin will remember this but our our manager at home bank rob mitchum would tell you uh I was I was crazy out of control loan officer when I first started. I mean, I, bad. I complained bad. every single day. Somebody was messing up my loan. The That's underwriter why he's the ops guy because that, he's
2: just paying for like his sins yeah. Exactly. I, I, honestly, exactly. there
0: was a time that I actually I actually said to David early on at Waterston. And and by the way, we called David Coach because he was he was a baseball coach. So I'm like Coach. You should just go work a week as a processor. I was tired of listening to him bitch about processors and the process. I'm like, until you've worked a whole week or two weeks in that role, mm-hmm. I don't know if we have a leg to really stand on. And I, I share that with younger originators. I'm like, look, you should, if you're younger in your career, or if you can make the time, you should process one or two files with your processor so you can at least speak their language. Or, but, or
1: underwrite it, close it. Yeah, But, you know, that, that was the whole thing was when you – when you get in the business, you're focused on your, your job, and my, my job at the time is to originate a loan and get that loan closed. And I don't, you know, when you're new or when you're not flexible, you don't understand everybody else's role, and the best way for them to, to do their role is to not get yelled at by me, yelling at them about the problem mm-hmm. instead of maybe discussing with them the solution.
0: Well, and, and we make the money we make, and we have, we have the opportunity to make the money we make because things are not supposed to go right. Things are not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, if everything went well, we could hire our children who are in high school to do this job, and, and we wouldn't have to pay them more than 12 or $13 an hour to, to do so. Um, something that I share with, with people looking back on what I wish I knew 10 years ago that that I felt like I finally figured out at 42 going on 43. And David, you're instrumental in definitely one of these, which is quit managing people the way that you want to be managed. Quit managing them to the expectations you have of yourself, but figure out their expectations of their selves. figure out their maximum potential and manage them to that. Because I struggled mightily. I even made multiple dozens of bad hires on behalf of us because i would meet someone and like them and then i would instill my own values and drive into them it just thinking that i could manage drive into them or i could manage a certain mindset and i couldn't do that and i would get frustrated and you finally used your guidance counselor jedi mind tricks on me and you're like hey quit like what's well, easier to,
2: I, it's easier to see that when when you're analyzing someone else's behavior than analyzing your own because i know for years i would be frustrated that you know hey i'm the top producer loan officers do this because that's what i do and i remember loan officers wouldn't and finally one day it clicked and i remember talking to sue Batello, who managers her office in, in the panhandle of florida and she was frustrated one day and this is probably going back five years and it was you know a, a loan officer who's no longer with us wasn't doing something that they should be doing. And Sue was just so frustrated. Like, I don't understand why they're not doing it. And finally, because it was easy for me to analyze that, I told Sue, Sue, there's a reason why you're a top producer and a manager, and it's because you figure that out and that person hasn't, you know. Um, and so it's, it's you, can't, you can't manage people to be you. They're not clones of you. You have to manage people to be the best of what, you know, they want to be.
1: That lesson was taught to me at the coaching at Bishop Moore. And uh, you know, I had Mike was on my first group, and I came in 24, and I knew everything. And and fortunately, we ended up being really good. And it was all because of the way I was coaching.
0: In your mind. In my mind. Yeah. Yes.
1: So for four or five years here at Bishop Moore, we were just rolling, and it's because they're doing everything I tell them to do the way that I tell them to do it. And then lo and behold, I get a group of kids that all of a sudden were not as good. And, you know, one season passes by and I'm screaming and hollering, you know, you guys aren't doing this the right way. Another year goes by, we're not very good. And and finally, you know, had, you know, kids revolt, basically. Parents come in, you know, you have all those things and, and you step back for a minute and you go, wait a minute, where where did this go south? And it was because I, I, I was making no adjustments to two different teams and different players coming in. And, you know, as soon as I, as soon as that hit me, and unfortunately, you know, it probably took a couple years, as soon as that hit me, and you start saying, okay, I, I need to step back. And yes, my way might be working for 60 or 70%. But I need to figure out the other 30%, what works for them and how I can make that adjustment. And we started to do that. And the program at the time, picked back up again, and Probably, sorry, Smalley, might have even got better than when Mike was oh, there. Yeah, they were better. Yeah. And we had, you know, we had a really, really good run. And I think that that lesson just stayed with me, and it, it certainly was not something – I learned it the hard way, for yeah.
0: sure. Well, and I had to learn it as well. Now, my most recent one, and I was sharing this with a couple of kids that I mentor uh, that are college students, and I was trying to share this with them. I don't know if this would have resonated with me 10 years ago, but it's resonated with me today, and it's that I can't win. Like, you guys know me very well. I always have to win. You always want to win. I want to win. I think, David, you You, said it. You
1: can't agree to disagree, for sure. That's not in your... your, uh. I
0: I will run headfirst through a brick wall if it means I get to win. There is no quit. There is no stop. And I've come to a point where I realized there's no winning. Like, there's... And so much in life, especially in business, it's like, okay, so we did $840 but the New Mexico branch did 990 million. And if we do a billion and they only do 900, someone else out there did 2 billion and someone else out there did 3 billion. And if I'm constantly trying to chase winning, I'm never going to win. So it's a, it's, I had to, to almost take a step back and, and I had to learn, focus on getting 1% better, focus on being better than you were yesterday, focus on the journey, focus on being a good person, a great leader, a great mentor, focus on being profitable, all of those things, but understand that there is no win. There is no, the game ends and this person's hand is raised because they have more points on the scoreboard. And that took me until like today, years old, to learn that <laughs> I just can't win and I shouldn't focus on winning. There's other things I should focus on. That's something I wish I could have conceptually understood 10 years ago that there's no way I would have. It, it took our 13 years together uh, to get me here, how about this? Because uh, it is time to wrap up. I'm getting the cue from from JC on the on the other end that we're running out of time. Uh, we're running long, but I didn't preface this, and we should have in the very very beginning. For those tuned in, we are a purchase focused, realtor builder database referred organization. Like that is what we coach. That is what we teach. The way that we've been able to go from 40 million a year to 70 million a month is because we stayed purchase focused because we have a database that we maintain, manage and market to, and we are referred by realtors and builders. So what we've talked about and coached and the success that we have promoted comes from that model, Mm -hmm. right? If you're working another model, I hope you've tuned in, you know, maybe you are more of a direct to consumer call center, headset, jockey model, nothing wrong with that. And I'm pretty sure some of the lessons we've learned will still emulate. But if they don't, I think it's it suffices to, to say, and it's good to know this has been our model. This is what we will continue to do, and this is what's got us to where we are.
2: Well, one thing that's been that's helped us be successful is being clear on that. Like we were clear on that from the very beginning that we're purchase, realtor, builder, sphere, past clients, database. That's kind of who we are. Um, and you asked me the recruiting question earlier, and I think this took us longer to figure out because we were we were clear from day one that we were a purchase lender, and that's really, you know, that's what I was as a broker. That's what you guys were mm-hmm. at Home Bank. Um, and really, that's what most successful mortgage companies
0: are. Yeah, those, those that achieve the highest level of success. Yes. Unless, yep.
2: you're, unless you have a massive advertising budget. But, yep. and, and, and we did, but we didn't want to be cyclical because we all, all three of us had gone through that early in our careers. where We had, you know, that dolphin every month up and down, and none of us wanted that. What took us, so we were clear on that from day one. What took us longer was being clear on more who are we and what loan officers should work here that took us a while you you asked me the recruiting question and you know we're pretty clear now that our our ideal loan officer is someone who has experience and wants to grow and is coachable and they're willing to listen to us giving them some ideas um, and kind of open their minds up to not just doing what they do and they've always done but trying some new things Uh, in rookies who you know have a, a kind of a hunger to do what we did 15 years ago which is get in the business, learn the business, and build a great career. And so we're really clear that that's that's the LOs that we attract and that we serve really well. But that took us, gosh, probably eight or ten years to really Mm -hmm. figure out that's our niche.
0: Yeah, lots of mistakes, lots of bruises, skin, knees, bumps along the way. But, yeah, we've learned on the rookie side uh, the acronym HENRY, high energy, not rich yet. That's what we want. We want someone good. that is high energy. They're not rich yet. And they have rich. a drive to absolutely <laughs> come just up with crush I don't know, it. but I like
2: it though. It's yeah. good.
0: You know what? I stole that from Veronica Figueroa, who is a realtor in the Central yeah. Florida market, and I think she works at EXP. Mm-hmm. I was at an event that Veronica was speaking, and it was one of those things that she said it. I'm sure she swiped and adapted from someone else. But that's what we look for because we don't want to onboard a rookie who doesn't want to make our presence club. Yeah. Now we will onboard seasoned originators who do their three to five loans a month, and they're very happy doing it, and they're purchase-focused, and, yep. Low you maintenance know- maintenance and make a good living. Yeah, yep. but if we're gonna onboard a rookie, someone with no experience, someone who just recently passed their 20-hour their uh, safe safe test, no, that person, if we're gonna invest in you, we want you to be a Henry.
1: I think we should start calling all
2: of our rookies Henry. And
0: I, I'm still trying
1: like, to get my hands around. Maintain, market, manage, the three m the, the database. Yeah, the three m JC, throw that on Tic Tac. Tick tack, tick tock. Maintain, mar- maintain Tick-tack. market Tick-tack. manage. Yes, Tick-tack the three M's. Is, is that backwards. the right order? What's that? Maintain, manage, market.
0: Maintain, manage, manage, maintain, and market to your database. That's there what we do. Go. The manage, three, M's. three M's. Three and and it's done. No, by, I created one three M. And it's done by Melanie. Three, ah, three squared done by Melanie. Three squared or three cubed.
1: Three, three
0: cubed. three cubed. There you go. Hey, how about parting shots? Uh, parting shots. We'll wrap it up this way. Uh, drop one piece of advice that you haven't already given to the audience it could be life related it could be mortgage related that uh, they're gonna listen to this and say wow thank you very much coach Holbrook thank you very much smalls thank you very much Dio.
2: now well I, you know from a producer standpoint I would just i the advice I give to all loan officers is do, is don't ever set a ceiling because there's no ceiling and I, you know I call it the curse of the mortgage business is and you guys have heard me say this a million times but the curse of the mortgage business is it's it's really easy to, to set up a good business where you make a good solid living, but then it's really easy to stop there and settle for doing whatever that is 8 million, 10 million, 12 million, depending on your market and your, and your comp plan. But it's so much easier and attainable to take that to the next level, whether that's 20, 30, 40, or 50 million. So, any, any loan officer listening, there's, there's no ceiling. You know, don't, don't set a limit on what you can do because, really, the infinite's possible.
1: I would say to anybody in this business, processor, underwriter, loan officer, closer, be humble. Don't think you're always right. Be flexible. Be willing to, to listen to everybody's input and stay focused.
0: Mine is continue tuning into the Loan Officer Podcast. You can find <laughs> us on Spotify, <laughs> Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. No, please, if you like what we're doing and you're tuning in for the first time, share us. Uh, if you're tuning in for uh, the second, third, or 100th time, thank you please continue to uh, reach out to us. We love to hear from you. We love your feedback. We love your show and topic suggestions. This show came about because it was a viewer request. Uh, They wanted to hear my story, but I had to tell them, look, it's not my story. It's our story. So David and Mike, thank you so much for jumping on the lunch for for spending the past hour with us telling our story. And David, I'm going to put you on the spot. Is, Is that because
1: you don't think I'm ever coming back? Right? If, if and <laughs> when, I've, I've been three times.
0: if, cut, if I, I, and I, I, when, would you be willing to come back on and do a show just you and I?
1: I mean, hey, I, two, I, mean two two I can always is, be bought. You hey, yeah, I mean, can I, always I can, be bought. Hey, it's two out of three. It's a yes. It, it, it's, it's two out of three. It's a yes. No, Mike I, Smalley and
0: Dustin Owen say, David Holbrook, we'll be back on. We'd absolutely. Lo- we would actually love to hear from the audience. What would you like to hear more from David, knowing his expertise and his his background? It, what What are show, some show suggestions or topics? Hit us up in the YouTube comments. Send me an email at don at waterstonemortgage.com. Uh, you can hit David up, holbrook at waterstonemortgage.com. He's David Holbrook on LinkedIn. I'm Dustin Owen on LinkedIn. I have a TikTok account. Just so you know. Do you want people to follow your TikTok? No, I don't, I don't
1: know what it is, okay. but I, I know I have one.
0: TLOP has a TikTok account, but I'm not even allowed to have access to it. John Coleman is the only person who has <laughs> access to that. To that, uh, And he is Mike Smalley. Mike, what's your, what, your website? Is it Mike Mike, MikeSmalley.com?
2: Mike-smalley,
0: Mike-Smalley.com. Mike-Smalley.com. Mike Gentlemen, thank you for the past 13 years. I'm looking forward to the next seven-plus years. Uh, thanks for coming in to do an episode He's Mike Smalley. He's David Holbrook. I'm Dustin O. And that's all the time we have for you today. Deuces.